Thank you for listening to this message from Tree of Life Church. Our prayer is that it will be a blessing to you and that you will find it helpful for life. So open up your heart to receive God's word for you. Hallelujah. It's, it's exciting to be here during the holidays, and we love coming here. And let me just uh, tag on to what my brother mentioned about Christmas in the Colonia. Uh, we do a big outreach every year in the Colonia that we adopted almost eight years ago now. Um, and we can, we're there. We've been there faithfully for, for that long. And, and, that, and, and I believe that entire community has been changed with uh, the work that we've done there and and it's where we're building our orphanage but every year we have an outreach that we call Christmas in the Colonia and we do it on the 6th of January which is kind of their celebration day which is a three kings uh, day that they celebrate and that's that's typically in in Mexico especially central Mexico where they they the kids get their gifts and all that kind of stuff so it's not necessarily the 25th for them it's like January 6th and so uh, we provide uh, we provide gifts for right around 200 kids and their families, you know, families that just live in extreme poverty in that colony in that area that would not have a Christmas if we were not there uh, just blessing them, being a blessing and providing those things for them. And then we have a big Christmas dinner that night for all the families. So, uh, so anyway, yeah, take advantage of the opportunity that you have back there and, and give to that outreach. Um, it really helps us provide just a, a wonderful Christmas for, for all those kids and, and families. So, uh, man, just thank you for your generosity in, in doing that. Uh, but, man, we're excited uh, to be here with family and to see, see our grandkids and, and to, ha- to spend time with our tree family. And we miss you guys. And it's hard to believe we've been in Mexico uh, eight years now. The ministry there continues to grow, and God's faithful. We had a groundbreaking ceremony for our orphanage several weeks ago. And I don't know if I told you guys the name of our orphanage, but in English, it's, it's uh, the tree house. In Spanish, it's La Casa Arbol. And so we're, we're really excited about what God's doing there. Right now, we've been waiting the last few weeks on, a, on our final construction permit. And uh, once we have that, we'll be able to, to, to get things going and we'll actually be able to start working on the property, which we anticipate or we, we hope to have next month. And so we've got a couple other big plans in the works for 2019. We're looking at planting two churches, uh, one in Guadalajara and then the other one we're still, uh, we've got a couple that uh, is ready to plant that are graduating Raymond this year. And so we're excited about planting them and we haven't, we haven't decided on the city just yet. And then the other day, uh, just the other day, and this is crazy how this is all, you, got, you guys know that we had a big piece of land donated for our orphanage project. Well, we had a guy come and call us up uh, just the other day. We met with him. And he wants to donate a huge piece of land uh, to, to the ministry. And so it's bigger than the orphanage property. And so we're excited about just uh, God's up to something. And so we're excited about what God's doing with that. And thank you for your generosity, for your giving. And then we have another church in a, in a, a neighboring city that has contacted us. And we met with them uh, just about a week ago also. And they want to be an Arbol de Vida church, a Tree of Life church. And so we're kind of in that process, figuring out what that's going to look like. But, but man, I tell you what, God is doing something. And it's just amazing to see how he's blessed uh, the, the ministry there, how he's blessed the work and, and how many people that we've been been able to reach and continue to reach. And you guys are a part of everything that we do. You guys realize that, right? 
And, amen. So every year we have graduates from Rama, and we've got uh, we've got other couples that are that are being prepared for ministry, and we plan on sending them out and planting churches, Tree of Life, uh, Tree of Life churches all across Mexico, and I believe that's what God is going to do, and that's what He's called us to do: uh, a church and a, and a campus, so we can train more pastors and more leaders. But it's exciting, and I love what God's doing through Tree of Life Mexico. I love what He's doing here, and how you guys have impacted what we do there. But this morning we're going to look at one of my favorite Christmas movies, and the first one was by far the best. Um, there was actually a total of five of these uh, movies made, but none of them comes close to the, to the success of the first one, Home Alone. Everybody remembers that movie, right? Home Alone? Awesome movie. And I don't know about your kids, but after we saw that movie, when my kids were little, they, were, they all of a sudden got all sassy and, and, and smart-alecky after uh, watching Kevin McAllister talk back to his parents and, and other things that happened during that movie. But, but I'm sure everyone remembers the movie. Eight-year-old Kevin McAllister, Macaulay Culkin, uh, gets left behind unknowingly by his family as they're heading off to, to their Christmas vacation in Paris. So he is home alone as he faces a couple of bungling burglars, the wet bandits, Harry and Marv. And, uh, and by the end of the movie, he has this interaction with, with uh, this scary guy, old man Marley, uh, as they both find themselves in church one night trying to find the answer to, to the solution to, to loneliness. And this was a great family movie, which today is hard to come by. Uh, but we're going to take a, co- a look at a couple of key thoughts in the movie and see how we can apply those to our life situations today. And so let me give you something to think about as we examine some clips of the movie this morning. Now, as I was watching this movie, uh, preparing for it, you know, I watched it, I don't know how many times, and, but one theme kept coming to my mind throughout the movie, and that is this idea of this, the, the power of reconciliation. Especially during this time of year when so many families and, and so many relationships are struggling, they're, they're fractured, they're separated, they're hurt, offended, lonely. And, and if you've never experienced this, you know that reconciliation is a process. And when it comes or when we initiate the process, it always seems to find us in, in, in a difficult place in life and at odds with someone. Now, there's conflict, there's isolation, there's pain, there's heartbreak and all kinds of painful emotions, especially during this time of year. And it doesn't matter if you're on the giving end of the hurt or the receiving end, it, it re- really requires action on our part to restore and make things whole again in the relationship. And in order to find peace and healing in our relationships, reconciliation has to happen. And it's never a fun process, but, but it's a powerful process. And we need to understand that there's power in that process. There's power in reconciliation. And because reconciliation, what it really does, it takes us from being alone and brings us back together and restores us and it restores our, our relationships. And, and in fact, it has the potential to restore everyone involved in, in that situation if, if we'll let God work and move in that process. And if you think about it, isn't that pretty much the entire message of the Bible? Isn't that the real Christmas story? Reconciliation between, between God and man through Christ and restoring our relationship with our Heavenly Father, bringing us all back to Him. 
And that's, that's what Christmas is all about. Reconciliation with God through Jesus. And because we, we know the story, we know uh, man decided he was better off without a relationship. Uh, he, made, he made the decision that, that he no longer needed to be part of the family, that, that he no longer needed his heavenly father, that he could make his own decisions, his own choices, that he was better off making his own way in life. And, and man wanted to be on his own and in a sense, home alone, left alone. Uh, leave me alone, God. I don't need your help. I can do this by myself. I don't need anybody. I don't need the hassle. I don't, I don't have time for all this relationship stuff and, and, and all the pain that goes with it. And just leave me alone to eat this apple. <laughs> and the same decision that so many of us make in life today. And God was very clear from the beginning. It's not good for man to be alone. And, and we know what the Bible says. I mean, that, that's a great marriage scripture, but that's, but that's a principle of life. It's, it's not good to do life alone because life, life is dangerous. Being, being alone, life alone is dangerous. Being home alone is dangerous. And did you know that, that you can live in a house full of people and still be home alone? And as you'll see in this video clip, relationships are messy, <laughs> They're hurtful, they're frustrating, and they're aggravating. They, they can be painful. And, and many times, if we're not careful, if we don't do the, the maintenance work on the relationship, the reconciliation and restoration and forgiveness, all those things, they, they can drive us to loneliness. They can take us to a place in life and in our heart that, that just kind of traps us and, and gets us stuck in pain and resentment and bitterness and those kind of things. And Kevin McAllister finds himself facing that very situation. And even though he's eight years old, and, and even though it may seem justified, I think many of us respond the same way that, that he does, even as adults. And not just with our earthly family and relationships, but, but in our relationship with God. But let's, let's look at what happens here. I don't know how to pack a suitcase. I've never done this once in my whole life. Tough. That's what Megan said. What did I say? You told Kevin tough. The dope was whining about a suitcase. What am I supposed to do? Shake his hand and say, congratulations, you're an idiot? I'm not an idiot. Oh, really? You're completely helpless. Everyone has to do everything for you. She's right, Kev. Excuse me, pupils. I'm a lot smaller than you. I don't know how to pack a suitcase. Hey, I hope you didn't just pack it, Jeff. Shut up, Lenny. Do you know what I should pack? Well, it's told you, cheap face. Toilet paper and water. Listen, Kev, what are you so worried about? You know mom's going to pack your stuff anyway. You're what the French call les incompetents. What? Bombs away! P.S. You have to sleep on the hide-a-bed with Fuller. If he has something to drink, he's going to wet the bed. This house is so full of people, it makes me sick. When I grow up and get married, I'm living alone. Did you hear me? I'm living alone! I'm living alone! <laughs> Who hasn't felt like that from time to time? Anybody? Anybody here besides me? <laughs> nice. Relationships, man, they can drive you crazy, especially family. And it seems like it seems like the ones closest to you are the most the most painful, right? And Kevin McAllister's having a moment that we all have probably experienced when he's feeling dumped on and rejected, insignificant, unimportant, abused, abandoned, and and none of us are immune to that kind of emotion, especially with family and close relationships. And and even the Apostle Paul understood the pain of relationships, of, of being alone and being home alone. In, in Second Timothy, he's all alone. Uh, in, in this story, he's in prison in Rome and he's waiting to be executed by the Emperor Nero. A terrible situation, but to make matters worse, of all his friends, 
uh, uh, all of his friends have ditched him. They, they abandoned him. And that, that's got to hurt, especially in your moment of, of greatest need. And in fact, he says this about a situation in 2 Timothy 4, verse 16. He says, the first time I was brought before the judge, no one came with me. Everyone abandoned me. And I love what the Message Bible says. It says, no one stood by me. They all ran like scared rabbits. <laughs> that cracks me up. Maybe I just, I'm the only one that finds that funny. But, <laughs> but man, it, that, that's kind of a painful situation when everybody ditches you, especially the ones closest to you. It's like, man, what am I? Uh, what am I, chopped liver? You're right? Anybody else say that in my, um, my house? We say that all the time. <laughs> but, and I believe that's probably, honestly, the worst kind of loneliness. Not, not the loneliness that, that we choose when we push everybody away, but the, but the loneliness where we're deserted by the people that we thought were going to stand next to us. And rejection might be the most devastating form of hurt that any of us could really ever experience. And, and, and I don't know. I don't know how you came today. Maybe that's your story today. Rejection, betrayal, uh, abandonment. And, and I'm sure there are many of us here that can relate to, to Paul's experience or even Kevin McAllister. And relationships, I mean, the thing about relationships, they're so, they can be so high maintenance and they can be exhausting. And what you say and, and how you hear things and the attitude of your heart, it's just complicated. It's, it's not easy. They wear you out. They, they can aggravate you and, and make you want to have nothing to do with them. And I remember my dad used to always tell us when he saw us frustrated with people or friends and family, and, and he would always say, you know, Jeff, how's your love walk? Check your love walk, get your heart right, right? I mean, anybody, anybody heard that before? And just all the time. Because if you don't, if you don't get your heart right, if you don't check your heart, if you don't uh, watch your love walk, one day those things are just gonna pile up, they're gonna, they're, they're gonna explode and you'll have a meltdown and you, you'll say things, you'll do things you regret and you'll push people away, the people that, that love you the most and just like Kevin and, and we're going to see that happen here in this next clip. Get the kind of traveler's check that don't work in France. Did anyone order me a plain cheese? <laughs> oh yeah, we did. Muffy, you want any? Somebody's going to have to barf it all up because it's gone. Fuller, go easy on the Pepsi. <laughs> Get a plate. <laughs> on purpose. He knows I had sausage and olives and Look what you did, you little jerk. Kevin, get upstairs right now. Why? Kevin, you're such a disease. Shut up. Kevin, upstairs. Say goodnight, Kevin. Goodnight, Kevin. Now it's for brothers such like we don't know. Why do I get treated like skunk? Oh, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. This house is just crazy. We've got all these extra kids running around. My brother-in-law drove in from Ohio today. It's just nuts. How come I didn't bring more cheese pizzas? Nice tip. Thanks a lot. Thanks. 
Having a reunion or something? Oh, no, my husband's brother transferred to Paris last summer and both of his kids are still going to school here and I guess he missed the whole family. He's giving us all this trip to Paris for the holiday so we can be together. You're taking a trip to Paris? Yes, we hope to leave tomorrow morning. Excellent. Excellent. If you'll excuse me, this one's a little out of sorts. I'll be right back. Don't worry about me. I spoke to your husband already. And don't worry about your home. It's in good hands. house. You're the only one who has to make trouble. I'm the only one getting dumped up. You're the only one acting up. Now, get upstairs. I am upstairs, dummy. Third floor? Go. It's scary up there. Don't be silly. Fuller will be up in a little while. I don't want a super fuller. You know about him. He wets the bed. He'll pee all over me. I know it. Fine. We'll put him somewhere else. I'm sorry. It's too late. Get upstairs. This family hates me. Then maybe you should ask Santa for a new family. I don't want a new family. I don't want any family. Families suck. Just stay up there. I don't want to see you again for the rest of the night. I don't want to see you again for the rest of my whole life. And I don't want to see anybody else either. I hope you don't mean that. You'd feel pretty sad if you woke up tomorrow morning and you didn't have a family. No, I wouldn't. Then say it again. Maybe it'll happen. I hope I never see any jerks again. Ouch. How many times have we felt that way with our relationships, with family? And Don't raise your hand, if, especially if your family's here and you live at home. <laughs> what? What do you mean? <laughs> and honestly, we have six kids. And to be honest, as parents, I don't know how many times I, I, they frustrated me so, so much. Sometimes I, I thought of losing one or two of them at one time or another. You know? It's not like we didn't have extras. Yeah? We got four more. What's the big deal? You didn't write their names on their underwear so they could trace them back to us, did you? No, but my wife wouldn't let me. Fam- families are messy. The relationships are messy. And, and, and isn't it just like the devil? I mean, he, he always seems to be right there. And, and, and a great example, Joe Pesci there, the fake cop. Uh, and and the, just like the devil, man, he's right there when we're in the midst of this conflict. And he's like, don't worry, your home is in good hands. And, and it's okay. Yeah, being alone, <laughs> that's what you need. You don't need all this mess. You don't need all these people. You don't, you don't need this. Relationships stink. It's not worth the effort. And, and, and so it's a tough situation to have to deal with. And, and sometimes we just don't respond real well. I mean, just like Kevin and he says things and, and he says those things and it's like, man, God says that it's not good for you to be alone. And I love what the Bible, the message Bible says, the message version says in Ecclesiastes, it goes on to say in, in chapter four, verse seven through 12, it says, I turned my head and saw yet another wisp of smoke on its way to nothingness, a solitary person, completely alone, no children, no family, no friends, yet working obsessively late into the night, compulsively greedy for more and more, never bothering to ask, why am I working like a dog, never having any fun, and who cares, more smoke, a bad business. Uh, in other words, sometimes we trade the most important relationships in our life to be alone so that, so that we can pursue things that, that don't matter, things that in, that in the end don't bring us fulfillment and satisfaction in life. And sometimes conflict creates loneliness in our lives, and, but other times we've chosen to be alone because we think other things are more important to pursue. You know, we think we'd be better off not having anything holding us back, but God says that, that being alone is not part of his plan. And in fact, it's dangerous to be alone. It's it, it, it's, it's, it leaves us unprotected. 
And he goes on to say in verses 9 through 10, it's better to have a partner than go it alone. Share the work, share the wealth. And if one falls down, the other helps. But if there's no one to help, tough. Two in a bed, warm each other. Alone, you shiver all night. By yourself, you're unprotected. With a friend, you can face the worst. Can you round up a third? A three-stranded rope isn't easily snapped. After Kevin's meltdown, he wakes up the next day and and he realizes that that he's alone. And for a little while, you know, it seems like the best thing in the world has happened to him. No rules, no one to answer to, no one to have to worry about, no distractions, no no conflict, no one to hurt you, fail you, disappoint you. And and that's, that's a dangerous place to be. And that's exactly when we're at our most vulnerable. And when we isolate ourselves from others, when we push people away, when we fail to make the effort to, to reconcile, making things, making things right, restoring relationships, and, and we don't open our heart to the healing that relationships need from time to time, that's where, that's where bitterness, anger, resentment, and, and all these other painful emotions begin to poison and harden our hearts. And the enemy loves it when we're home alone. Just like Joe Pesci, the fake cop. And, and we're going to see in the beginning, it's like, it's a party. It's, yes, I've finally gotten rid of these people. I'm never going to talk to them again. I'm not, after what they did to me, I don't owe them anything. I don't need to do this. And after they've done this, after they said this, who needs them? And I'm free. So we're going to find out how Kevin responds to that. I made my family disappear. Kevin, you're completely helpless. No, Kevin, you're what the French call les incompetents. Kevin, I'm going to feed you to my tarantula. Kevin, you are such a disease. There are 15 people in this house and you're the only one who has to make trouble. Look what you've been, you little jerk. I made my family disappear. Washing every body part with actual soap, including all my major crevices, including in between my toes and in my belly button, which I never did before but sort of enjoyed. I washed my hair with the Don't Formula shampoo and used cream rinse for that just wash shine. I can't seem to find my toothbrush, so I'll pick one up when I go out today. Other than that, I'm in good shape. I'm in good shape. I mean, that's the lie that we tell ourselves when we're alone. Everything's good. It's all good. I, I don't need this. I don't need anybody. I'm in good shape. And, and, and I, I'm not going to waste my time trying to fix things with, with, with them. But loneliness, being alone, it, it, it makes us vulnerable. Ecclesiastes says that we're exposed, that we're unprotected. And Kevin's story reminds me of another story. And it was a story Jesus told about a son who wanted to be left alone to, to do whatever he wanted. And the only difference is uh, he wasn't left home alone, he left home alone. And I'm talking about 
the parable of the prodigal son. He didn't think he needed his family. He was better off without it. He was done with them. Time to move on. Get as far as as he could from them. After all, he knew better than they did. And we all know the story. He took his inheritance, left home alone. And life was good at first. It was a party, just like Kevin. No relationships, no family, uh, freedom, doing whatever he wanted. No one telling him what to do. He was thrilled. But he soon discovered that life without his father and family wasn't, wasn't all it was cracked up to be. It wasn't it wasn't what he thought it would be, and being alone made him vulnerable to all kinds of, uh, of sins, struggles, and destruction, and because without the support and strength of his father and family, he, he, he felt empty, unfulfilled, scared. And here's the thing, life without God and the people who love us really is no life at all, right? And, and like Kevin, a lot of people think that being alone will, will make him happy, yeah, getting away from this, getting away from that, cutting off this relationship, cutting off that relationship and not having to deal with it. it but it, it never does. It never does make us happy. Why? Because we were created by God to, to, to be in relationship. And that's why loneliness really can be one of the most painful feelings that, that we can experience in life. And, but there's power. There's power in reconciliation and restoration, just, just like the prodigal son. And some people, go to, some people go to their grave never making things right with their relationships, with their family. They go to the grave with all that pain, unforgiveness, never making the effort to, to make things right and at least reconcile, reconcile things in their, in their own heart. And so I want to I challenge you today. Listen, don't, don't be the person that, that holds on to that bitterness your whole life because, because family, relationships, they're, they're worth fighting for. Reconciliation, forgiveness, restoration, that's, that's where you'll find peace. That's where you'll find healing. Fight for your family. And, and listen, you know, I know there's some terrible stories out there. I know there's some terrible families. And... and but I don't care how messed up your family is, fight for them. Fight for reconciliation. And we can, you know, we can fight with our family, with our relationships, or we can fight for them. And I love what Nehemiah says in uh, chapter four, verse 14. He says, then as I looked over the situation, I called together the nobles and the rest of the people and said to them, don't be afraid of the enemy. I love that. Remember the Lord who is great and glorious and fight for your brothers, your sons, your daughters, your wives, and your homes. Don't be afraid of the enemy. Family, relationships, man, they're, they're worth fighting for. In, in, in the movie, once the wet bandits figure out that Kevin's alone, they, they start planning their attack. And I mean, that's how the devil operates, man. If he can isolate us, if he can, if he can find us home alone, that's... That's when, he, that's when he comes in and, and just creates destruction and, and, and bitterness and all kinds of things to, to destroy our heart and our relationships. And the Bible says that we're unprotected when we're alone. But one, you know, once Kevin realizes the joy of being alone is not what it's cracked up to be, man, he decides to fight for his family. He decides to defend his home. He decides not to let the hurt, the, the, the offense, the rejection, the hurtful words, all those painful experiences of his relationships, he decides, he decides to fight for his family. Reconciliation, restoration, and, and he comes up, he figures out a battle plan. And so let's take a look at this next clip. That's my granddaughter up there, the little red-haired girl. She's about your age. You know her? No. You live next to me, don't you? Yeah. 
You can say hello when you see me. You don't have to be afraid. There's a lot of things going around about me, but none of it's true. Okay? Been a good boy this year? I think so. You swear to it? No. Yeah, I had a feeling. Well, this is the place to be if you're feeling bad about yourself. It is? I think so. Are you feeling bad about yourself? No. I'm in kind of a pain lately. I said some things I shouldn't have. I really haven't been too good this year. Yeah. I'm kind of upset about it because I really like my family. Even though sometimes I say I don't. Sometimes I even think I don't. Do you get that? I think so. How you feel about your family is a complicated thing. Especially with an older brother. Deep down, you always love them. But you can forget that you love them. And you can hurt them and they can hurt you. And that's not just because you're young. You want to know the real reason why I'm here right now? Sure. I came to hear my granddaughter sing. And I can't come and hear her tonight. You have plans? No. I'm not welcome. At church? Oh, you're always welcome at church. I'm not welcome with my son. Years back, before you and your family moved on the block, I had an argument with my son. How old is he? Well, he's grown up. We lost our tempers. And I said I didn't care to see him anymore. He said the same. And we haven't spoken to each other since. If you miss him, why don't you call him? I'm afraid if I call him, he won't talk to me. How do you know? I don't know. I'm just afraid he won't. No offense, but aren't you a little old to be afraid? You can be a little old for a lot of things. You're never too old to be afraid. That's true. I've always been afraid of our basement. It's dark, there's weird stuff down there. And it smells funny, that sort of thing. It's bothered me for years. The basements are like that. Then I made myself go down there to do some laundry. And I found out it's not so bad. All this time I've been worrying about it. But if you turn on the lights, it's no big deal. What's your point? My point is you should call your son. What if he won't talk to me? At least you'll know. Then you can stop worrying about it. And he won't have to be afraid anymore. I don't care how mad I was. I talked to my dad. Especially around the holidays. I don't know. Just give it a shot. For your granddaughter anyway. I'm sure she misses you. And the presents. I sent her a check. Wish my grandparents said that. They always send me clothes. Last year I got a sweater with a big bird knitted on it. Oh, that's nice. Not for a guy in the second grade. You can get beat up for wearing something like that. Oh? Yeah. I have a friend who got nailed because there was a rumor he wore dinosaur pajamas. You better run along home where you belong. You think about what I said, all right? Okay. It's nice talking to you. Nice talking to you. What about you? Me? Yeah, you and your son. We'll see what happens. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas.
my house. I have to defend it. This is my house. I have to defend it. I'm going to defend my, my family. I'm going to defend my relationships. I'm not going to let the devil come and, and create this division and this, uh, this, this, this heaviness in my heart that I, that I choose to live with. I, I, can't, I, I can't just live with that. I have to let that go and I have to defend and fight for my family. You hear what I'm saying? And I love what he says. He tells old man Marley that, that he made himself face his fear of the basement. And once he, once he turned the lights on, it wasn't so bad. So how do we turn the lights on? What's, what's our battle plan? How do we tap into this power of reconciliation? And some of the funniest parts of the movie are when Kevin fights back against the wet bandits and he, he booby traps the whole house. How do we booby trap our house so that our relationships are protected? So that we don't end up home alone. And, and here's some thoughts that I had that if we can just kind of tap into this and understand uh, what God has for us, what he expects of us to, to, to have this reconciliation that, he, that he's called us to have. And, and one of the things that we need to understand is we understand that forgiveness, forgiveness is a decision. It's not an emotion. It's not, it's not, it's not waiting till you feel that, that you can. It's, it's a decision. And, and, and I love what I heard one preacher say. He said, forgiveness is not about keeping score. It's about losing count. That's really good. I, I don't know if you caught that or not, but because that's what happens, man. And so the apostle Paul says that we've been given the, the ministry of reconciliation, I mean, God has empowered us to make that choice, to make that decision. It's, it's not an impossibility. Well, I can never. Ah, that, that's impossible. No, it's not. He's enabled us to make that choice and make that decision. And forgiveness is what brings healing and restoration to our heart. And how do we, how do we booby trap our house? Well, I think that we have to understand that forgiveness is not based on others' actions, but on our attitude. I mean, like my dad used to tell us all the time, check your heart, check your heart, Jeff, check your love walk. And relationships are painful and we're never going to avoid being hurt by them. Some things are horrible. I'm not trying to make light of whatever the situation that you've experienced, but it doesn't mean that we can't have a right heart, a right attitude. We can't let our attitude poison our heart and harden our heart and lead us to, to, to being home alone. And then we have to understand that forgiveness and, and reconciliation, it's, it's a process. It's a process. And there's power in the process. There's healing in the process if we'll, if we'll submit to the process that God wants to, to do in our lives. And we have to let God do his work. And, but we make the decision to allow the process to happen. And it's not us saying that, that everything that happened was okay. And, and, but, but the result of doing that and there will always bring restoration and healing. And just like Kevin learned, the best gift that you could possibly give or receive this Christmas is, is reconciliation. Reconciliation of family, relationships. Uh, and those are the things worth fighting for and I will defend my home. I will defend my, my family. I will defend my relationships and I will be part of this reconciliation process however painful it is. Are you guys here? 
And let's watch how this plays out in this last clip that we have. Everybody else. Oh, baby, they couldn't come. They wanted to so much. No, I didn't fall asleep in that. Pretty cool that you didn't burn the place down. Thanks, Buzz. Wait a minute. How did you guys get home? Oh, we took the morning flight, remember? The one you didn't want to wait for? Oh, no. <laughs> oh, oh, thank uh, Merry you. Christmas. Merry Christmas. Okay. Well, someone has to find an open store. We don't even have milk here. I went shopping yesterday. You shopping? I got the milk, eggs, and fabric softener. No kidding. What a funny guy. What else did you do while we were away? Just hung around. What's this? far I think that has to be the best Christmas gift that you could give or receive reconciliation 
And I don't know if you heard that in the clip when they were all kind of walking away after freaking out over him going shopping. But I love it when his older brother says, this is not the Kevin I knew. <laughs> and Ken, it wouldn't it be something if your family, your relationships said that about you? After you reconciled, after you initiated the, the process, and this is, not the, this is not the Don I knew. This is not the, the Sylvia I knew. And, and I don't know where you are right now in, in your relationship with your Heavenly Father. And maybe you're here today and there was a time in your life where where maybe God was a priority and, and, and something happened without, uh, and maybe he used to be that priority where being part of his family was important to you, but something happened, life happened, people happened, family happened, and, and maybe it made you bitter, hurt, disappointed, and maybe even church people. <laughs> maybe you felt betrayed, maybe let down by, by your church family, by, by God, whatever the situation, and, and all the bitterness, the anger, the resentment, it's, it's been eating at you for so long, and, and, and you, just, you just want to, to get that out. You've gotten so used to pushing people away, and I, I don't know, and maybe today is the day that you finally make things right with God and, and let him do a work in your heart. Or maybe for you, it's not so much spiritually that, that, that you feel home alone. Maybe, maybe your earthly family rejected you, hurt you. Something, something happened that, that caused you pain. And maybe things were said that just cut you so deeply. Maybe something was done that was, that was unforgivable. Maybe you were the one who hurt someone that you love and you don't know how to fix it. A spouse, a child, a parent. And we were created for relationships. We, we were created to be in relationship with God and, and other people. We were created to love and to be loved. And, and without a connection with God and loved ones, our lives are just empty and meaningless. They really are. And I, I don't know what you're dealing with with this holiday season. Maybe, maybe there have been times that you thought about reaching out and trying to make things right. But, but just like old man Marley, you were afraid that... that <laughs> You weren't going to be accepted. Or maybe the anger, just, you just couldn't overcome it. And one phone, you, you just don't know, one phone call could make that difference. One sentence could set you free. One knock at the door could release the weight that's been on you for years. Reach out. Make that call. Send that email. Make, make that visit. Say, say, I'm sorry. Say, I forgive you. And do whatever it takes to find peace and reconciliation. And, and it may be the greatest Christmas gift you give to yourself or to a loved one this year. And the greatest gift that we've been given was when God reconciled our relationship with him through his son, Jesus. We hope that you enjoyed this message. You can find more messages and information about Tree of Life Church at treeoflifechurch.org. We'd like to invite you to come visit us at 5513 IH35 South in New Braunfels, Texas, or you can watch us on live stream. Thank you again for listening.